The New Statesman. Hi, it's producer Adrian here. We're bringing you a special podcast today from our Spotlight team. And the New Statesman podcast team will be back tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the latest Spotlight podcast, brought to you in association with Smart Energy GB, the not-for-profit campaign helping everyone in Britain understand the benefits of smart meters for people and for the environment. I'm Becky Slack, and I'm joined today by Sarah Hyam, Director of Corporate Affairs for Smart Energy GB, and Andy Maybury, who retrofitted his home in the Scottish borders to be more energy efficient. Andy, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you. From July, Ofgem, the regulator, will be reducing the price cap on energy, but household bills in Britain are expected to stay high. One way for people to manage amid higher prices is with a smart meter. The government has an aim for all homes to be offered a smart meter by 2025. If you don't have a smart meter installed in your home, it can be harder to understand your energy use and to control spending. With a smart meter, you can understand your energy use better and tailor it to save costs and also help the planet. Today, we're going to be discussing how an individual can take steps towards energy resilience and reduce spend on bills in their own home. We're going to hear from Andy about how he did it. Andy, when you first moved into your home, which is an ex-council house in the Scottish borders built in 1964, what was it like? Paint a picture for us, please. Yeah, that's 16 years ago. Been, had some upgrades, been bought out under the right to buy, had some other interventions fitted. So when we moved in, it had double glazing, it had a central heating system, it had some insulation in the loft, it had the fire had been removed and replaced with an open gas fire. So it was basic, fairly typical ex-cancel house. So I remember in the first winter that we were there huddling around this gas fire, which was doing its best. And the four of us were huddled around the fire and we were still cold. And the gas bills were pretty horrendous and it was drafty. And I sat there and realized that we were separated from outside temperature air by a carpet and a floorboard because it's a suspended wooden floor. And I thought, yeah, we need to do something about this. So we started with the basics. We filled the cavities and we put underfloor heating, underfloor insulation rather. We added a solar thermal collector on the roof to, to heat the hot water and basically chipped away at it piece by piece. So it sounds like there was a lot of work to do, Andy. How did you figure out where to begin? What was the process that you went through? And when did you decide to install a smart smart meter? We started with basic stuff, get the cavity walls filled, check the insulation in the loft. We couldn't add much more there because uh, we were using that for storage. Add insulation under the floors because that was obviously a weak point. We upgraded the gas boiler at that stage. We added some solar thermal heating just a a solar collector on the roof, which helped to heat the hot water. And we chipped away at it over a number of years. So the first round of interventions, which was those things that I've described, plus installing a heat recovery ventilation system, 
that halved our gas consumption. We then installed a log burner in the living room and hot air ducts up into the bedrooms so that we could put a bit of heat up there as well when we needed. And that again halved our gas consumption. We got an electric car and a diverter charger, which takes the surplus solar and rather than just exporting it onto the grid, puts it into the car. Because when we first installed the PV, the vast majority was just going out onto the grid because we couldn't use it. And although we'd calculated the solar panels to generate roughly what we were using within the house across the year, during the winter we import, during the summer we export. There's no way around that really, but you want to balance that and minimize the ebb and flow as much as possible. Then 2020, we installed a heat battery. So rather than a electrochemical battery where you take in electricity and then later on export electricity, this brings in electricity, stores it as heat, which is easy and cheap to do and then exports it as heat. So that ties in with our, our wet system in the house, the radiators. And so the, we actually rejigged that and zoned the radiators. So we've got an upstairs circuit and a downstairs circuit now. We installed a diverter, the electricity that the car wasn't able to use would go into this heat battery, Sunamp heat battery. And that stored it for when we could make use of it. So that's probably the bulk of the, the big things. That's, Great, that Andy. Done. There's lots of really practical suggestions in there. And what about the smart meter? What sort of impact has that had and how has it contributed to the running of your home? That, that came relatively late on because the technology just wasn't there in, in the early days when we were doing the first interventions. So smart meters are very much an enabling technology. There's Two big advantages, two, two, two main things that I would say they, they do. One, one is give sight of what your consumption is. The other main thing that smart meters do is to open up the door to half hourly electricity tariffs. So when everybody wants to use electricity, particularly in the, the four o'clock to seven o'clock peak period in the evening, the price tends to go high because they've got to buy in expensive electricity from less efficient generators. And so most folk don't get sight of that and they'll just use electricity when they want to use it without any appreciation that sometimes that can put a huge strain on the grid. And conversely, the, there's other times of the day, particularly in the middle of the night, when the surplus generator generation being produced by various generators that can't be just switched off and nuclear power stations or others that are dependent upon the flow of resources like wind turbines. And so unless though, unless that electricity is consumed, then those generators have to be turned off in the case of wind turbines or the heat dumped. So the price can go low, yeah. it can even go negative. And when we installed the smart meter, we switched on to a domestic half hourly tariff. Sarah, Smart Energy GB wants to help households make the most of the new technology amid high bills and the move to net zero. What advice do you give to people who are thinking about getting a smart meter installed, but haven't yet got one? 
Sure. Thank you for that. And Andy, I have to say, I've, I'm envious of your description of all the benefits of smart meters and also how to balance the grid. And I think what's really interesting about all of this and comes back to the smart meter to, so, to some extent is this issue of energy literacy that a lot of people don't really understand, as you say, Andy, the technology they've got and understand what's using lots of energy and what's not and different times of day and how the system works. And I think this winter through the energy crisis, we've suddenly become so much more aware of the individual impact we can all have on our energy system and whether the supply and demand is where it needs to be and ultimately how reliant we are on imported gas from other countries. And I think coming back to this question of what can the individual do by getting a smart meter, which is no extra cost, just get in, get in touch with your energy supplier. You can A, start understanding your own energy use and understanding what technology you've already got in the house, what's using a lot, what's not, and start making some of those changes that Andy mentioned. So a really good one for those who have a combi boiler is to think about changing the flow temperature which can save about £100 a year. And if people aren't sure how to do that, Nesta, if you go online, Nesta have a great tool that does a sort of a click-through explainer on how to do that on your combi boiler. So I highly recommend that. But then also, it's not just a win for the individual. It is also a win for the environment. So we've been talking about the fact that it means that we can use more wind and more of our renewable technology by shifting when we use energy. So as Andy was saying, by charging your EV at night when there's lots of wind available, we can use use that instead of using it using your energy at a different time of day when actually the wind's not blowing necessarily and there's lots of demand on the grid and therefore we're having to use gas and potentially also the sort of the coal over the winter in order to generate the energy that we need for that and the third way the system wins if you like is thinking about as we move into the next decade and more of us are going to be using more electricity as we move away from gas so instead of gas boilers in time more of us will be using heat pumps less of us will be using petrol cars and moving to evs we're going to be needing to use more electricity and we want to be using more electricity that's made by renewables but the way that we will have to upgrade the system so that it will be resilient through all of this sort of the extra energy use is that our local DNOs and our national grid are going to need to know what energy is being used where. And actually smart meters give them the information they need to be able to target where they might need to make reinforcements to make sure that the system's working as it should. So I often think about smart meters as being a win-win-win, a win for the individual, a win for the environment, and also a win for our energy system and our energy security in the long term. So if people want to take part in this, don't worry in terms of cost. I know some of the fabulous things that Andy has been talking about might be out of reach for some people because there is a, an upfront cost to getting a new battery and getting an EV. But actually a smart meter is something that's no extra cost for you to get installed from your energy supplier. And it starts to inform you about what's going on in your home and you can start making some tweaks. I know one of the ones that, that I made and I'm somebody who thinks that they know a little bit about energy use. And yet when I got my smart meter installed, I suddenly saw that all these spotlights that I have in the kitchen, I think it's about 12 of them, it turned out they were all halogen. And I found this out by turning the lights on and the red and my smart meter display screen, the IHD that I have on my work surface suddenly went red. And I made a very quick change to, to getting some more modern light bulbs. So it's not costing me as much. But even things that don't cost anything at all, I saw how much my dryer was using. And I had potentially been quite lazy, wanting to put my dryer on instead of putting it outside in the garden because it took a bit more effort. 
when I suddenly realized how much that was costing me. And again, by not using your your dryer, you could save yourself about £100 a year, according to the Energy Savings Trust. So it's things like that, It that visibility, that seeing how much things are actually using can change your behavior and stop me being quite so lazy and relying on the dryer and start putting things out on the line. And that's 100 quid saved. So yes, go out and get one, talk to your energy supply. Lots of great tips from both of you there. Thank you. I'm looking around my flat now thinking about where I can turn things <laughs> off and change things to try and save some money myself. Sarah, so just sticking with you for a moment, how has the energy crisis impacted uptake of smart meters and people's mm. attitudes around energy more generally? It's a really interesting one. And I guess to some extent, we have to make sure that we're aware that we're actually still in an energy crisis situation. I know that Ofgem did talk about what the reduction to the price cap is going to look like from July, but actually it's still much higher than it was before the energy crisis started. And we are still in a situation where people are looking at bills that are dramatically higher than they have been in the past. And it's been really difficult for a lot of people. And I think in terms of what that impact's been, to some extent, it looks as if so far it's been polarising. So we know that For some, it's made them want to get much more involved in the energy system, which is fantastic. So we've seen people um, who have a smart meter saying that they feel much more in control. So about 50% of the people that we were polling said the result of having a smart meter during the crisis made them feel more in control. They can check what their energy price is looking like. And by having that information to hand, it can stop them getting bill shock. So this idea that if you're if you don't have a smart meter, you'll be often working on an estimated um, an estimated usage. And then suddenly once you give your reading to your supplier, you end up with a bill that's potentially much more than you thought it was going to be. And that might particularly be the case as you go through the energy crisis and you may not necessarily have known how much it jumped. And then you suddenly find yourself with a bill that you weren't expecting. And we also know that lots of people are doing more as a result. And they are in the same way, Becky, you talked about looking around your home and trying to find new things to do. Lots more of us are doing that. And then also this winter, we saw this fantastic um, thing, the winter demand service, which National Grid ESO ran through energy suppliers, which essentially was a way in which we can all take part in balancing the grid in the way that Andy was talking about and trying to avoid these real peaky elements, times of day when lots of us are using lots of energy. And for those people who have a smart meter, by not using energy during those peak times, so lots of people were thinking about shifting when they put the dishwasher on, for example, and thinking about whether they could, in my brother's case, pop out to the pub during that time so that he wasn't using energy at home. It meant that they were actually paid for not using energy. And that's the first winter that we've done it. And the early results show that a lot of people were incredibly interested in taking part and actually being part of a wider move to support our energy security as well as potentially saving themselves some money. So that's fantastic. I think there are, and this is something that you'll often hear from some of the consumer groups, there are concerns that for those people who are really worried about their energy bills, there can be perhaps a reticence to get in touch with their energy supplier. And maybe that also means that they they might be missing out on getting a smart meter because they worry about sticking their head above the parapet, talking to their energy supplier and what that might mean. What we would say is that's absolutely talk to your energy supplier. They are there to help you. They can support you with putting together plans to help you pay your bills in a way that's possible for you. They'll have support mechanisms and they may be able to point you into in the right direction for other support that you might be eligible for. And in addition, by getting a smart meter and having that tool that allow you to have that extra bit of knowledge about what's going on, it can really help you. So I think it's so far, it seems it's been interesting. It polarizes from one way to the other. 
And we'll have to see how things develop as we go through this. But the next stage may potentially be when we see more products coming onto the market in terms of tariffs. As we've seen the price cap fall in July, we might start seeing more tariffs come onto the market. And at that point, more people may start switching. And that's often a time when people start thinking about getting a smart meter as well. So it's a bit of an unknown and we'll have to see how some of those things develop. The advice is very clear. Get in touch with your energy supplier. They can help you with any energy debt and payment plans, but they can also get you a smart meter. And are there any specific initiatives that you would like to see coming out of policymakers or or is there anything else that organisations like Smart Energy GB can do to help households make the most of smart meter technology? You've talked about energy literacy. That feels quite important. What else could be done? Absolutely. So we exist as a not-for-profit organisation that governments help create and the energy suppliers fund. And we have specific duties to A, ensure that consumers are aware of the benefits of smart meters, but B, to help them use their smart meter. So there's lots of information on our website and uh, hints and tips. And you may have seen some of our Einstein adverts over the winter period, which has got lots of energy saving tips as part of that. My energy supplier has the comparator tool, so I'm able to see what my smart meter data looks like or usage data looks like versus other homes, typical homes in the area. And again, that can help you start thinking, am I using a lot more energy than other homes? And why is that? And what can I do to try and make changes? And I think, Andy, what you were talking about there, talking to your neighbours about what you've done and the changes they can make in local community, that's fabulous. And this is another way that you can do that by understanding what other homes in your area look like. You can then start making changes yourself to your own home. So that's a really important part of all of this. And I think this conversation about energy literacy is going to become even more important as we start moving into the next decade because Andy's not a typical person. He's really well informed about all the different technologies and things that you can do to optimise. If you do have an EV plus solar PV, how can you make sure that you're getting the most out of that instead of just selling it back to the grid? But lots of people won't know and therefore might be put off and put off getting involved in it. And there will be a real, a really important role for that consumer behaviour change campaign in the same way we've been doing for smart meters, probably in the future for other elements of technology as well. But the foundation tool is getting your smart meter in there because that puts you in such a good position to then start being able to optimise anything else in the future. And as I say, some of those things won't involve you buying new things. It may just be that it's a new tariff on the market that allows you to turn down and turn up your energy use at different times and make potentially make money out of doing that. And Andy, as somebody who's gone through this process and you've spoken to lots of your neighbours about this, is there anything else that the government or Smart Energy could do to help the public make the most of smart meters? I see the big thing being the flexibility. We need to be dealing with the evening peak, which is causing such a, an un disproportionate impact on, on, on the cost of electricity. As Sarah was saying, the, the savings sessions project this winter has shown that people are able and willing to flex their consumption and make a significant impact on the grid. Half hourly tariffs, I would say, I, w- I would love to see that become the standard way of doing electricity for domestic properties as well as for larger consumers. It's really interesting what you say in terms of the getting getting more people to be able to access half hourly half hourly set tariffs. 
one of the things that will change from, I think, 2025 onwards is we're going to see something called market-wide half-hourly settlement come in, where energy suppliers will have to settle the price of the energy that the consumers have used in half-hourly patterns. Currently, they do it with shapes, as far as I can understand it, but it's way beyond my understanding from a completely technical basis. But in essence, what it means for the consumer is energy suppliers will be incentivized to roll out more of these time of use tariffs for customers who want them and they will they will continue to be a choice for people to, to want to get involved with. But they will be more incentivized to do that once they, those come in because they, as energy suppliers, will be more exposed to the true cost of energy. And so fingers crossed that will have that will have a big change for people. Thank you. There's been lots of really useful insights and tips here from you both. Thank you very much. That's all we have time for, I'm afraid. Many thanks to Andy and Sarah for joining us today. You've been listening to a special Spotlight podcast in partnership with Smart Energy GB. You can find out more about the campaign at smartenergygb.org or check out our energy and climate change coverage at newstatesman.com forward slash spotlight. I'm Becky Slack and our producer has been Adrian Bradley. Thanks for listening.